Hey friends, welcome to the Odd Job Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jamie. And I'm Abby. And today we get to talk to our ghoulish friends, ghost hunters, Jill and Steve from St. Croix Paranormal. This was a really great episode. Jamie is excited the whole time. She loves ghosts and we have some spooky stories ahead for you. You know, like goosebump inducing ghost stories. And the best thing about Jill and Steve is that they are tactics as far as seeing ghosts or speaking to ghosts is a little different than what you'd see on TV. So that was certainly interesting. Very different than other ghost hunters. Definitely a fun one. If you guys want to find out more about Steve and Jill, you can go to stcroixparanormal.com. That is S-T-C-R-O-I-X paranormal.com. And as usual, to learn more about what me and Abby are doing, maybe some of the episodes that we have upcoming, visit us at theoddjobpodcast.com, T-H-E, oddjobpodcast.com. You can also follow us on the socials, Instagram and Twitter at oddjobpodcast. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. This is the Odd Job Podcast. For me, it started when I was a child. My grandma's house always had this one room that was always cold. You always felt like somebody was staring at you. You always felt unwelcome. Like we didn't, as children, did not like being in that room. You just you just hated it. One night I was up there sleeping, not in that room, but we in the room adjacent. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard footsteps coming out of that room. And then it stopped right in front of my door. And you could hear like a sigh. And you just felt like somebody was staring through you. And my back was to the door. And you know, I must have been like six, seven, eight years old. And then I just turned around and I heard the footsteps and it walked away. I had spoke with my parents, which I knew they were sleeping in the next room because I could hear them both snoring. So I knew they were in there, but they did not get up all night. My grandma sleeps downstairs. So I talked to her about it and she was like, oh my gosh, honey, that's just a ghost and he's not going to hurt you. Oh, wow. Here's my very religious grandmother saying this is okay. I was just fascinated. Even prior to that experience, I used to sit and read the ghost stories and my cousins, I would listen to records and freak ourselves out. And then in 2010, I met Steve and I'll let him finish his story and we'll take it from there. (laughs) Yes, Steve, we would love to hear about your ghost origin story, for lack of a better way to put it. (laughs) I mean, locally, I I used to work for a grocery store. And uh, when I was a kid, we had to go to the um, Christmas banquet and I was at the Landmark Center. You know, we were kids. We're not going to be chumming with all the adults and stuff. We were like 15. So we went and we just decided to leave the function and we just walked around the landmark center. We were in the back stairways, you know, it's pitch black, there's no lights. And me and a buddy were back there and I started seeing this glow coming down the stairs. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. What would, I mean, there's no security guards right outside. This is a, you know, a function. So I looked over and I'm watching this and there's this, what looks like an apparition of a dude in 40s garb with a bowler hat on and he's just walking up the stairs and I'm like yeah time to go so we just ran out of there and we went back on the bus and we were just waiting until midnight when we get to get to shuttle back to the grocery store so it was very an interesting night that night did the others that you're with that night also see the man in the bowler hat they saw what I would say is they saw the glow they looked over the railing down at Adam and I just like I said I just when I saw that I'm like if I can see through somebody in the dark that has a glow, I'm leaving. I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm leaving. So that's what I just grabbed the guy and ran out of the, the area. 
That's wild. So do you think that, and this is a question posed to both of you, do you think that some people are more susceptible to seeing ghosts than others? Most definitely. There are people who are more open. There are people who can actually see them and communicate with them. And sometimes I think the people who have spirits that come to them and they're not able to harness that ability to talk to them, I think they're more freaked out because we have a lot of people who say, oh my gosh, they come to me all the time. I don't know what to do. Some sort of beacon for some sort of people and they just haven't harnessed and the spirits don't know that that person doesn't know how to use it or help them. So yeah, there there's definitely more people who are more open. Yeah. Yeah. We've met a lot of people that have, you know, been a part of like our group on and off over the years and some people have it and proof positive. I mean, being with these people in haunted locations, oh yeah, it's, it's a legit deal for sure. Oh, fascinating. I guess, Steve, so after this, were you really freaked out and not interested in it or did it pique your interest to learn more? I always was interested, but nothing was really big until, you know, the mid 2000s and they started having the ghost hunting shows on TV. That really got me watching it and learning more and wanting to like, you know, maybe we should start looking at this as like, you know, something fun to do with like a tourism thing and try to see if there's, I mean, if you know, these are haunted locations, they're proof positive, you're seeing them on TV, let's go and give it a whirl. And then that's what me and Jill were talking and like, let's start buying some gear and let's start trying this out. And she's like, okay, we'll try it. So that's kind of what got us going and doing all these road trips and stuff. And it was, it's very interesting. I'm not gonna lie. Can you walk us through the gear that a ghost hunter needs? Like, what are the tools that you need in order to communicate, see, document a ghost? Oh, there's a lot out there available. You know, we started out with one camcorder, one voice recorder, and a K2 meter, which helps measure electromagnetic fields, which supposedly ghosts are made up of. That's what we started with, and we've progressed to probably 42 um, voice recorders, 27 camcorders, just all kinds of different equipment. Um, I like using what's called a spirit box, and I have three different kinds because they work in different ways. For me, the way that works is it scans. Uh, you can use AM or FM. I use AM on it. It goes from one spectrum of the, the radio station to the other end of the spectrum in one one hundredth of a second. So scientifically, you can't speak in one one hundredth of a second, especially if getting a sentence or sometimes we get swear words on it. So, you know, that doesn't come off the AM radio station. Oh, So that's my favorite piece of equipment to use. There's all kinds of other things. Um, Steve's really good. I explained like there's REM pods. He can tell you a little bit more how those work real well, but I like those a lot too. Yeah. What's a REM pod? I know nothing. I'm incredibly yeah. naive. Jamie definitely knows more than me. She watched a lot of ghost hunters in college. I can attest to that as her roommate of four years. I've also tried amateur ghost hunting a couple times. I did. Yeah. Um, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a very haunted place. I don't know. And I'm from Connecticut. Do you know Guntown Cemetery in Connecticut? Probably not. But anyway, it's supposed to be a very haunted cemetery. And so me and my friends, my senior year of high school, went at like midnight and we sat around and what you're supposed to hear are like children laughing. And we definitely heard children laughing, but I'm not actually sure if we were just kind of like making ourselves hear it because we knew that we were supposed to hear it, but we did, we did things like that, but I didn't have any tools. I just had, you know, Google. You had your ears though. <laughs> your ears and your eyes are tools yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. So what's a, what a REM pod? Was that what Jill said? Yeah, it's. I'm sure you guys have seen it where it's just, it's a little round disc. It has four basically 
different colored light energy things on top with an antenna. And if something approaches it, the closer it gets, the more amplified the noise gets. So if it's electromagnetic field gets too close to that antenna, it's going to be a solid noise or the colors are going to light up depending on, you know, if it's cold or hot. I mean, there's so many new advancements. Gary Galka is the main guy that makes all these things out of his house. And he's been doing it for well, longer than we've been in it. He was the guy that's basically started the Zach Bagans, giving Zach Bagans all the tools that he needed to do his TV show. So everybody just started going to his company and buying all the stuff from him. And you can just leave the thing, turn it on, leave it there and do your own thing. And eventually, if it's if you have a camera on it, it's going to go off sooner or later. And it, there's nobody buy it. So, I mean, the, all this stuff works. Gary Galka, I've talked to him and he knows what he's doing for, I mean, electroscientist or whatever. I don't know. He's, he's really good at making these things and they work great in the ghost hunting community. I love that. So, okay, to, to back up just a little bit, you mentioned electromagnetic fields and that's sort of what ghosts are, but can you talk about the different ways in which they might present themselves and how it might register on some of these tools or how people in the field will say, oh yeah, that's, that's something. Because I would love to sort of hear how you guys are identifying them. and Like the science behind ghosts. Well, that's the other thing. It, there's, there is science. Like It's the same as like light spectrum. You have all the different you know microwave um radio wave the visible light spectrum all the different things like that so that's why sometimes it shows up on infrared cameras sometimes it shows it on heat signature cameras there's a new device out there jill's recently got it in the last couple of years and basically it's a xbox connects camera and it goes to a computer screen and what it shoots is laser beams out and anything that breaks the laser beam the, it, it's mapped on whether an iPad screen or whatever you're using for your computer screen. And it forms basically a being on there and you can communicate with that. It shows, you know, whether it's hands are moving or legs are moving. There's always the age old spectrum, like in infrared cameras that people confuse dust with spirit orbs. And that's been going on for years. And, you know, me and Jill agree the same that most of this stuff is dust. You know, we used to do a lot of evidence analysis and, I mean, no matter what you're watching, no matter who's either ghost shows you're watching or even just mom and pop people that just, you know, post this stuff on their own YouTube channels, you can debunk a lot of this stuff. And Jill is relentless in saying yes or no, we're not using it. We're going to use it. And you have to have at least two or three different pieces of evidence that corroborate that what you're going to prove and say this is actual evidence. That's the best thing about Jill is, you know, I'm a science based guy. And if she says we have three pieces of evidence that are going to make this thing proof positive that there's something to this, then we're going to put this in the TV show. And that's why, I mean, I think some people, some groups are good. Some are, you know, we'll just use whatever they have for evidence. And some people have a lot more gear. Some people have a lot less gear, but it's still the same Is it, we're all looking to find the answers of, is there life after death? What would be examples of three pieces of evidence that something is legit or not legit? Well, usually when we put stuff in a room, um, we have the camcorder. So there, there's your eyes and another set of ears for you. Usually uh, some sort of piece of equipment in there. Usually it's like a REM pod or a motion light, or we have actually the REM pods are like inside of a teddy bear. So that's good that you can use for children. 
And then we always have a voice recorder because that now that's also another set of ears. Also, the voice recorders work better for audio versus the camcorder because the voice recorder is meant to pick up any of the EVPs, which are the spirit voices. And a lot of times you don't hear them audibly because it takes a lot of energy for them to speak that loud. Also can talk in a higher or lower frequency than we can audibly hear, but the voice recorder can pick it up. So when you play it back and you get a voice, a couple things I look at, who was in the room, where were we, what's going on. If it's a girl's trip and they pick up guys' voices, you know dang well that there's no guys in these houses. And some of them are huge mansions. Some are just abandoned people's homes. I mean, why do you have a guy's voice on a voice recorder when there's no guys for miles? Like, we walked into Thornhaven Manor. There's been nobody there all day. The owner lets us in. And right away, I can hear kids playing on the second floor. And I'm like, is there any kids in here? And he's like, no, you're just going to hear this stuff all the time. Like, well, if there's no kids, why are there kids? You hear them playing. I mean, it's just crazy how this stuff happens. Can I just tell you, doing this interview right now, there is a major thunder and lightning storm going on, and it is just like the best setting to talk to you guys. Um, my <laughs> my next question for you is, are you sometimes hired to go and ghost hunt for folks, or are you most of the time finding really haunted places and then trying to prove it out to yourself? Like, What's the most common situation that you're in in order to do your ghost hunting there has been some private homes that have contacted us through the st croix paranormal website come and figure out things they have weird things that happen jill and i talk and we've had our like where's our dream location this year where would you like to go and then we get a group of people and then that's where we go and do investigations jill makes the tv show out of all the evidence and it, it always varies Sometimes they're just for fun, you know. There's always these locations that we go to and there's so many memorable moments and you know for a fact there's something to it because there's there's nothing. There's nobody in these buildings except for like me and Jill. We're looking at each other and you can hear all this stuff going on around you. It's just it's just crazy. You can't debunk something when there's nobody around. From your experience, what are the most common places that have hauntings? Is it going to be cemeteries, like I said, or is it going to be prisons or is it going to be a really old house? Like, what do you see as having the most paranormal activity? I think it just depends on the history of the land that's going on. I, you know, it's not necessarily a house that makes it haunted. It could be the land as well. Okay. It could be on an Indian burial ground. It could be an old gravesite you don't know about. Maybe they hung a bunch of people there in 1700s that there's no record of. Oh, okay. For some reason, it seems theaters attract a lot of energy. Churches, of course, because that's a place of worship and people feel comfortable there. Really no rhyme or reason, I guess. (laughs) To prepare for this episode, I watched a few episodes of Ghost Adventures, which I hadn't seen for a while. Um, And that's the Zach Baggins show, by the way, Abby, that Steve was talking about earlier. It was a particular episode where the spirits were like especially evil and scary. So can you tell us some of your scariest ghost stories? Let me guess, Steve, you're thinking about whispers, aren't you? I'll tell you what, (laughs) that place, I would never go back. I, I don't even know how to explain it. Wait, what's this place? Jamie definitely wants to go now. I'm going to go. Yeah, that place was in something. It was in Indiana. Mitchell, Indiana. The only thing they had when we went was like a subway, and that was like 10 minutes down the road. It was just like in the middle of nowhere. I didn't know where to begin. I mean, you'd have to, if you know the, the, the history of the, it was like a doctor that did all kinds of. Unethical things to women. Yeah. They buried a lot of people in the backyard. Oh, wow. So is it is it a house or is it the town? It's just a house. 
Okay. It's like a creepy house. Insane, crazy house. Wait, is anyone living in the house or the house is just empty? The house is available for paranormal investigations. Okay. I guess that's really the only use for it. (laughs) Right. At a certain point, if it's that bad. So obviously you guys want to have encounters with ghosts. So what was it that made this experience just so traumatizing, especially for you, Steve? Jill Jill clearly is a little braver having gone back, but... (laughs) Maybe the spirit didn't like attack Jill. Maybe it only had eyes for Steve. (laughs) I I don't know. I I can't say if it was a fact that the whole night I couldn't figure out what it was, but it had, it was like a cobweb feeling all over the back of my neck and the, and my head. It felt like somebody's like doing cobwebs to you. So every, about every hour I'm like, I can't take it. I got to walk outside and I would sit in the front. Now that we've, we know what happened to the girls when I was away from them, it, it makes a lot of sense that it wanted me out Oh, so they could be only with women. That's exactly what happened. Okay. It took, I I would come in and nothing really happened. But over the night, it just kept compounding and compounding and compounding. I had that cobweb feeling like if you go back and, and watch the film footage, we're all constantly wiping our faces, trying to get stuff off. Yeah. And it does have a history of, because like Steve said, it likes to mess with the women. So if there's a man there and Steve was the only one, so he's easy pickings. We only got to take one out. We had a really bad thing happen to one of our investigators after Steve got kicked out. (laughs) Oh, well, well, we're definitely going to follow up on that. But just to clarify, so you think it is the man's spirit, like the guy who did terrible things to women, the doctor. You think it's him, not the women? No, I don't. I don't think it's haunted by the women who were either murdered or killed or um, any of the abortions that happened there. I honestly think it was the doctor. He's still there trying to get me out so he could focus on the women in the house. I guarantee that's got to be what it was. There's children's spirits in that house too because one died in a fire. Um, well, she survived the fire, but then they, he gave her a mercy killing of a morphine overdose. So she's still there. And there's another little boy who fell down the stairs and broke his neck. And he's still there. Um, there's a really angry man. That's the one who we believe hurt Teresa, which we'll go into in a second. And he died on the day of his retirement in front of a closet, dropped out of a heart attack. So now he's pissed off. So House of Horrors. Wait, so uh, just so I get the timeline, so, and it's okay, you might not even know these answers, but the guy who had a heart attack, then did he live in the house after the doctor died? Like they weren't like cohabitating at the same time, right? Yeah, I don't believe he lived there originally. I think he was that, the story I was told is the day he died, he was putting his gardening tools away and dropped dead in front of the closet. Um, so I don't think he lived there, but I think because he was there and care took so much because he did, he did love his job um, and probably felt like part of the house was his. Oh, okay. Um, so then he'll keep revisiting. Yeah. Okay. So what happened to your um, companion? Well, we were in that um, closet <clears throat> where the guy died and we were, we were told by the people who owned it that that's one part of the house they don't like to go in. They don't want anything to do with it. People have been pushed and scratched. People have been locked in that closet. You know, they don't know, even know how that happens. So anyway, of course, you know, we have to go in the closet because that's what we do. Of course. Like I say, it's a big closet. It's almost not like a modern walk-in, but you know, two people can comfortably stand in there and step back a few feet, kind of move around. So it's like a double doored closet. We were running a a spirit box. And while we were in there, I heard a, a male voice in my head that said, get out of this closet. 
but I'm one that I don't like to be in closets because I'm afraid I'm always going to get shut in one. So I just thought, oh, it's just me being paranoid. So I stepped out, did not relay that to our friend, Teresa, who continued to stay in the closet. And mind you, she was way in the back of the closet sitting on a chair. And then the spirit said, shut this door. Well, we didn't. And next thing you know, she's thrown out of the closet about four feet, lands on her knees, gets hurt. We tried to debunk that and there was nothing, no way. She was too far down the hall. That would have never happened. If she fell out of the chair, she would have fell straight forward, not three or feet or so out of the closet. Oh my God. wild. And to think like how much energy that spirit has to like move a human. Because if it takes that much energy for them to talk, that's an angry... Yeah, she Hear said it. I felt that chair being pushed and it was so fast. And yeah, it was, it was, and I think we saw wet footprints coming out of the basement stairwell going out to the backyard. Oh, oh and then Stephanie, she, because she wasn't driving at the time, she, we tried to catch a little bit of shut eye before we had to drive back. And she kept seeing shadows running back and forth in the hallway because she was kind of watching over us to make sure we were all okay. <laughs> so, oh, God. So- terrifying on a number of levels the angry man in the closet obviously has a beef um but what about (laughs) were there children like did you have interactions with the children in the house as well or other kind of stuff around them we have a they had a giggle doll in there so what is it's just a doll so if it gets pressed it kind of makes a really creepy laughing sound and that went off a couple times by itself that's so creepy nobody there something had to push the belly of that doll to make it laugh see that would freak me out in like a non-haunted house like if i just had a giggle doll in like this room why do people have giggle dolls (laughs) (laughs) they are very creepy dolls are creepy anyway (laughs) which brings me to my next question haunting in connecticut i'm sure you guys have seen that movie yes right yep forget who those ghost hunters that's based off of you guys probably know the names are you thinking of uh lorraine yes probably the warrens yeah yeah lorraine and her husband right the warrens so they had like a haunted doll that they kept yeah annabelle yep annabelle so have you seen that before where there's like a spirit inhabiting an object i don't know if i've seen it before but I know it can happen. Well, you can see the doll if you want. Zach Bagans bought it. I, that, you know what? I have no interest. Like, I like like a little taste of it. But if it's like too intrusive, then no. I don't even want to mess with it. If it's like, if it's going towards demonic, which we'll definitely ask you about, then I'm, I'm out. I'm out. If there's a demon, I'm out. <laughs> that actually pivots perfectly to the question I was going to ask. Can you walk us through the different ways that spirits present themselves? So there's hearing them as almost like radio waves or talking to you through different frequencies. And then you have the dude that threw the lady out of the closet. And now you have like a possessed doll. Or just like top line, like the the main ones, you know, like a shadow type thing or. I mean, I know like Jill went to this one place and she sent me a photo in the daytime of a perfect shadow person in a hallway, solid black mass. It's the sun's coming in and there's a solid black mass in the shape of a human in a hallway. So, I mean, that's one way, but the thing is like some people always talk about shadow people where they're like seven feet tall and they have a hat or a cloak. I can't speak of that. I've never seen that. Just my personal experiences. I can say I've seen, I haven't seen an apparition on a ghost hunt, but I have done a lot of audible stuff with Jill where it's just us and you can hear something talking to us directly and there's nothing there. 
So visually, you can find it on your instruments. You can see things move on the cameras. I mean, we've had a lot of that. We did a place in Stillwater. It was like maybe a year after the, a murder that was committed there and sunglasses moved all the way across the table on command. I mean, that's one way to let us know you're there, I guess, but I couldn't see anybody do it. And it's not like the table was sloped. So I can't explain that, but I, I get what you're trying to say. I just don't know if you can say it other than your personal experiences and what you found in evidence. But even with the evidence, you can't say for a hundred percent certain that it was a spirit in direct communication with you. And this is the only thing that they could do. That makes sense. So Steve, you identified this house as the scariest for you. Jill, did another one come to mind for you? Uh, well, that's why I brought up whispers because I said I knew that was Steve because that's always our go-to. The craziest, worst house ever. I mean, it was super fun, but it's creepy. I guess I'll never forget our first investigation at a, at a well-known haunted location. You know, I mean, we did businesses and private homes, but never going to a place that's been on TV before um, was the Velisca X murder house. I, I was actually kind of scared to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> we had the most amazing time at that house. The story is in 1912. I believe it was six children, Steve. Yeah, six children. And then the two parents that were there. Yep. So a total of six children and two adults were uh, killed with an ax and they never found the murderer. So they're, they're all still there. And, and we got the most awesome yeah. EVPs of the kids talking to each other, oh, God. saying their names. So one of the, the Stillinger girls, her name was Lena. And we actually have an EVP of one of the, the little boys saying, no, Lena, no. She, she's known to like to, to play with the guest because she finds it fun. Well, troublemaker. She might have been having something on her mind to do something to us. Yeah. We also had a voice that said, I want to touch your things um, because we had all kinds of toys and equipment. And, and they did. They, they touched a lot of stuff that night. They actually threw little pebbles at us <laughs> in the middle of the night. I'm trying to sleep on the floor. And that's all you hear is ting, 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 ting. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Just enough. Just enough to keep you up. They're kind of like little Caspers. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. We did get one of the little boys I had asked, like, what's your favorite food? And he said, bacon. And I said, okay, well, next time I come, I'll bring you some bacon. And I think I went back uh, maybe like three years ago now. So I brought some bacon and I put it in a little a tray and then I attached something to it. It's like a REM pod kind of. It's a portable REM pod in a way. And I put the bacon in the kitchen and I said, okay, I don't know if you remember me, but I brought you some bacon because you said you wanted it. And in 10 minutes later, that thing was alarming. thought that was pretty cool. That is very cool. Except like, can he eat a ba bacon? <laughs> no, I guess I can, but, but it's, you know, it's like using trigger objects too. Like, you know, yeah, you that's true. Like it'll make, make him happy. Yeah. I, I've, I've brought in food presents before and I know they can't eat it, but they appreciate that. Kind it's of like stuff. an acknowledgement. Yeah. And especially if I know it's someplace we may come back to, I'll ask like, Hey, what would you like me to bring you next time? Or you know, that kind of thing. And so I, and, and I know they, I know they remember this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not like I understand the psychology of ghosts, but maybe it just makes them feel more human. Cause if they're like walking around a house, but they know that they're a ghost, then maybe getting like a plate of bacon would make them feel like they're still alive. 
It, it could be. I'm not a ghost psychologist, though. So. We've always been real respectful. Like you'll you'll see the TV shows where they're yelling, come out, come and do this. Yeah. And it's, if I was yelling that at you, would you like to come out and play? I don't no. think. <laughs> no, absolutely not. A lot of times I'll just walk around and just talk about, hey, you know, I go to weddings. Have you ever been to a wedding? You know, what was your favorite wedding? You know, so I just talk to them as if they're there because you know, even though they're, they don't have a physical body, they still have feelings. They're still a person. They just don't have that physical shell anymore. That's so interesting. Do you think that everyone becomes a ghost? Like, what do you, what what does this change your, or has it changed your perspective on like what happens after you die? Well, for me personally, I I kind of also wanted to know, I, I, I was afraid to die because I just didn't want to be buried six feet under and it was dark. And then that was it. I couldn't handle that. That just, just to me was like, no, no, that can't be it. If I could get proof that there's spirits, then I know there's another side. And as we've throughout the years done many investigations, I've definitely to myself have proven. Now I've kind of focused a little bit on like what's going on on the other side, you know, let me know. So there's certain things that they, I know that if I'm getting really good answers and I start talking about God or religion, everything ceases, it stops. Oh. I don't know if it's some sort of unwritten rule that they can't talk about, but they have told me a few things about the other side. Like you meet new people. So that's kind of interesting. Oh, Oh. (laughs) so, you know, we spoke to a psychic medium actually on one of our other episodes. And that was kind of the question that we posed to him was, so what do you think about what happens on the other side? And he said the same, kind of the same thing, which actually gave me a little bit of chills. And he said that that they've never told him, like he's asked, but they don't tell him directly what's happening. But right. he did say like they're preoccupied because they're almost like always watching. So at least, you know, you're not bored. Like you got stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about, what about you, Steve? What do you think about who sticks around, who maybe doesn't and what the beyond might be like? That's a good question. I, from my background in science, it's the same thing as like most people in science are going to say is that. We're basically just organic matter, but what makes that organic matter animated? That's the big what if. What is that? Well, just say if you go off of a religion, that could be a spirit. Okay, that's your spirit energy. So what happens to your spirit energy when your organic body dies? That's the question. And that's what I think we are interacting with is whatever your soul or whatever you want to call it. I mean, depending on the religion, that's still there. That still is you as a whole minus the organic matter. And I think like you guys were talking about, is even what the psychic was saying is that you can do whatever you want. There's no limitations at that point. But I do think that if there is some type of a trauma. Okay, that was going to be my question. How trauma fits in. Unresolved. Unresolved issues. There's a trauma. um, A heinous act was committed. That energy scars basically the time space continuum matter. It's scarred right there. And I think that's what locks these people in this time space continuum is they're locked here because of whatever energy was bad. I don't mean that's like a demonic thing, but I just think that that's kind of what pigeonholes these people to be stuck in these positions. Some people like where they are. We've run into that too. It's like these people, like if, if you build this house with your hands, this is your house. They think this is their house. When they die, it's still their house, whether or not somebody's moving in or not. There's all these different things and tangents that can go along with that question. And I think each situation is different. I've never investigated a prison, but there's a lot of trauma that goes on there and a lot of murders that happen. And I think that's part of the deal why prisons are so haunted. So do you guys believe in demons? 
Like to me, there's like ghosts and then there's demons. There's definitely demons out there, but the amount of it is extremely rare. That's more of a Hollywood type thing. A lot of people think they might have demons because, oh, this, this spirit just scratches me or they knock stuff over all the time. And they're always doing this. Well, that couple things could be that's their way of getting your attention doesn't necessarily mean they're being evil about it sometimes too it's it's just a crabby old guy you're in his house he's 85 years old why are you in my house that kind of thing yeah so I think a lot of things that are deemed as evil could potentially just be an intention getting or a spirit that's particular about this is his home that kind of thing you know, you can have possessions, you can have evil spirits, but again, a real rare, real rare thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Have you guys interacted with it, particularly evil spirit, or is it so rare that you guys don't think you have? Oh, I think we've had some real crabby people and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like that the guy in the closet was a real, real piece of work. So yeah, there's that one. <laughs> but I mean, I can't think of like an investigation that we did that was maybe demonic. I mean, I like I didn't. I, we've never heard of anybody being possessed per se at any of the places that we've been. So I mean, I I I don't know if it's demonic. But then again, I'm not a psychic. I'm not a medium. I just do science based investigations, and that's all I can go off of. So one thing that you guys mentioned earlier was this idea of certain people kind of being like beacons or, you know, individuals that really attract that energy. Do you think some people are just constantly going to be getting? signals and attention from spirits or energies or things like that yeah i I think so for the ones like you say that have the attraction um especially like people who who are known mediums or psychics you know obviously they're always always getting hit up all the time just because the spirits are looking for help guidance um just different reasons um maybe they're coming to you because they got a problem and they need you to solve it for them to move on kind of thing so it's whether they're maybe hoping that person can pick up on it and help them, or they'll just, maybe they just keep on moving on to try to find somebody eventually will help them out. And have you guys ever been on investigation with somebody that you think kind of draws that energy and have noticed changes in levels or changes in attention oh, yeah. at all? We did with one of the psychic mediums that used to work with us at a white bear and she did an investigation with us, the Ledoux mansion. We would like do the investigation and then she would tell us what she heard or saw or felt at that time. And basically it felt like we were communicating with the guy who ran, who built the mansion and we could get his whole life story and we didn't have to read the plaque on the wall. And she's basically explaining everything that he thought or heard or felt through his life. And she's sitting in a chair that was his and telling us this whole thing. I mean, on demand, it was just, it was an amazing investigation that I'll never forget that one. Interesting. So it was like she was telling you everything and then you could essentially fact check it yep. with plaques around the mansion. Yep. It gives you like that extra dimension that you you search for. And that's why you're doing these investigations. She, she's giving you firsthand information that you couldn't get unless you go through your evidence. It made a difference when we're going through and they can explain things from their time, which would have been, you know, 150 years ago. Were you ever told anything by a spirit that was surprising that wasn't, that was kind of outside the story or the history that you were told of whatever location that you were at? Like, did they reveal any new information? One thing that comes to mind, um, I don't know, this was kind of back, so I, I can't even remember the people's name, but I know Steve was there, but 
they had thought that the hauntings they were having at their house were prior family members that had passed on. And while we were at the house, we had a voice recorder running and we were all sitting in the basement and the wife had gone upstairs to get a drink of water because she was having a coughing spell. She was the only one up there. She kept coughing, take a drink of water, cough and take a drink of water. You could hear that going on. And all of a sudden I got a little kid's voice that says, do you want a cool drink of water? And it was a child. And, and here we thought we were supposed to be investigating, um, you know, like their father, their brother, you know, older adult spirits. That's who they thought. And, and that's kind of what we focused on. And when I got that and I presented it to him, I said, well, I don't know where this came from, but we got this child. So he called me back about four days later and said, I was speaking with my mother, told her about the voice that you guys got. And she told me that when we first moved into this house, two little girls appeared to her and she made a deal with them that she would give them toys and interact with them if they never spoke to her children. Oh. And so he's like, I always wondered why my mom kept dolls in her room. So the mom had known that there were two little girl children there but asked that they didn't interact. What a brave mom. I would just move. <laughs> Do people ever invite you over here to figure out one that they're truly having a haunting and then do you give them any advice as far as to tell the ghosts to go away or to stop bugging them? Uh, yeah, we have done the private investigations and, and it's usually, you'll find people call you and the first thing they say is, you're going to think I'm crazy, but <laughs> yeah. so a lot of them are, are afraid that they're crazy. So we'll come over there, we'll investigate, see what kind of information we get. We do not remove spirits or send them on their way. If it's something that the client really, really wants to do, I can refer somebody for that. What our goal is, because like we said, 99.9% .9 are friendly. We try to teach the client how to basically coexist with that spirit. So we kind of teach them different techniques of, of how to handle this when situations arise, what you can do. And a lot of times uh, things, they just become more at peace, I think too, even after we come, because we'll get some story behind it. And sometimes we can figure out why it is, who it is. Like an iota of understanding. Not everybody has the technology or the gear and they can't communicate with them. All they know is like stuff's getting moved around. They can't find their keys. The blinds keep getting broke. I mean, stuff like that. We're just there to provide answers. So there's that interaction between us and the spirit to solve the problem and hopefully get the homeowner to change or, you know, get more answers. And this is more of like a religious question for you. Are you either of you like particularly religious? Has this made you more religious or are you just not? like observing any religion. I just want to see like how that ties into what you guys do. I was raised Catholic. I'm strong in my faith, but I'm the typical Catholic, you know, doesn't really go to church that much. Same. But I, I wouldn't say it's made me particularly more religious. I guess more or less I rely on their protection um, because I will pray after an investigation or just before I leave to make sure that I'm safe and nothing is going to attach to me or follow me. Maybe a little bit stronger in my faith, I suppose. I can't say that. Steve's <laughs> <laughs> all about science. I just want facts and that's it. And that, that's all there is. I mean, yeah, sure. We were raised Catholic, but I don't think our parents knew any better. I mean, I don't think my, our parents were investigative people or they wanted answers. I just think they just went with the status quo. And so be it. But I've never been satisfied unless I can have answers or proof in my hand. And that's just how it's always been. And I still believe even now I'm like, I'm just an organic dude. When I'm dead, I'm dead. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Is there spirits? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's something 
some aspect to that. But I don't think, you know, me sitting in church every Sunday or praying to these guys, no, I don't I don't think that's going to help me go to heaven or not. I just think, it, you know, if I do right by my fellow man, I'm good. And I'm good to go with that. But I've never worn a protective cross. I've never went into these things thinking, is there demons in here, this or that? I just... I just did what I could do. And that was it. To that point, something you actually said, Jill, do you have a fear that spirits might attach to you? Well, yeah, you just, you always have that. I mean, just because we do investigating it, it is and can be a dangerous situation. Sometimes it's not even from the spirits. It's like you're in a dark environment you're not familiar with. You can trip, you can fall, but you can also have the spirits attached to you. You can have, you know, scratch you, push you. Teresa, she was pushed. We've had some investigators, they actually have had spirits follow them home and had to kind of do some saging and get them out of there. So so there are different dangers that come along with the profession. So you brought up saging. Do you think that works? I don't know. I mean, I'm not... I guess I'm not a, a leader on it, but sometimes I feel like a lot of things have to do with energy. And I think, you know, such as the religion, you know, like I was saying, I'm doing the praying and things. It's no different than saging. So I feel if it's something that you strongly believe in, like if I do this, I'm protected. I am safe because it's all in your in your mind and your mind is a very powerful thing. Maybe I, I just moved into a new house. Maybe I should sage it. I have a lot of like um, religious things around though. So I think I'm all right. And we live next to a church. Jane, weren't you the one talking about the children in the cemetery not too long ago? Yeah. It's a church. It's a happy place. It's like happy spirits. Maybe. I feel somewhat protected. All right. Well, I better sage this house. <laughs> I, better do, I better do all like the ghost extermination measures that I can. I better get a priest in here. I got to do it all. Jumping off that, I would love to hear a couple more of your guys' most bone-chilling stories. Yeah, we want ghost stories. Yeah, basically just tell us your best ghost stories. <laughs> Have Jill tell you about sitting on the kid's bed at Villisca. Yeah, so it's those old beds, you know, with the old spring. Oh my God, my lights just turned off. <laughs> you guys are freaking, you guys are freaking me out. You guys are, oh no, it was just my computer screen went off. It's guys, it's fine. We're fine. <laughs> okay, continue. I'm sorry. That was awesome. So the, the beds that have like those old springy mattress for the box spring it's just it's all metal so it's very bouncy like so if you sit on it it kind of boings back and forth a little bit so I went in the kids room and I sat there and a couple of them were like over in the attic crawl space where the killer hid before he came out and killed everybody oh my god whoa doing something there and I'm sitting on the kids bed like waiting and I'm just just like waiting and all of a sudden you felt something just slam on that bed so it was like boing 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 as if somebody sat next to me because if somebody's going to sit there it's going to shake a bit and I was totally startled I did not expect that so I went running out of the room and about took over my camera lady that was standing there <laughs> yeah I, I went right back in because I, I was startled but that was kind of a, a creepy thing that happened wait too. so the backstory of that house was there was a killer in the crawl space it's, it's hard to explain it wasn't really a crawl space they have like just this little teeny tiny room in between both bedrooms and the house is super super tiny I don't even think it's like 900 square feet if even that so yeah the killer hid in that in that room and then when everybody went to sleep he came out and then he killed the parents first then he went and he killed four of the kids and then he went downstairs and killed the other two kids oh my god that's horrible he's just like lurking I hate that 
I really hate that story. Yeah, I know. And they were so young. I think the youngest one was maybe three and they went all the way up to 12 years old. When did this happen? 1912. Do you think there's any importance to when something happened? Like, is our spirit stronger if the trauma was two or three years ago versus in 1920 or? Now the spirits need different types of energy. So sometimes you can go to a a haunted location and one time it'll be super, super active. And then you'll go, oh my gosh, that was the greatest place. We're going to go back. And then you might not get nothing. Yeah. It just depends on the type of energy um, for that the spirit has that particular day. Also, I feel like if they really don't feel like talking or doing anything with you that day, they're just, they're not going to do it. Interesting. So Steve, what other things really freaked you out? Uh, about that Thornhaven Manor when that stuff, remember you and Alex were downstairs, what happened? We were at... Um... Oh, I can't remember that. It was on the way. Yeah, we were on the way to Thornhaven. It was at the other place we stayed at. Some guy shot a hole through his floor. I don't remember what the name of that place was. Wolf House. So we stayed there that night. And then I'm just like, something's something's off in this house. I don't remember what it was, but I knew something was off. And we were walking through it. And Jill was sleeping in the room off to my right. I was just hanging out on the couch. And our buddy was sitting in a chair. And I'm like, okay, let's get some sleep before we head off to this other place. And we're sitting there and I just started feeling like this weird, this weird feeling. So I just peeked out of my eye and I saw something come out of a vent behind our buddy who was sitting in a chair. And it was like a mist coming out. It was a dark black mist. And it kind of went around him over his chest, up over the chair, up on the wall and then went around the corner into where Jill was. And I sat up and I go, what the? And he got up, literally up like this. He's like, why is my heart feeling like a heart attack? It's racing so fast. And he was asleep. He didn't even know what I saw. And I said, you're not going to believe what I just saw. But hold on. Let me go check on Jill first. <laughs> I went around there. Make sure she's okay. Yeah. yeah they were fine. But this, this other guy, man, he, he swear he, his heart was racing a hundred miles. He couldn't even calm down. He was walking around. He had to go outside. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what that was, but that was a weird deal there. I don't know. But I mean, I mean, was I scared? No, I was like, that's kind of weird. I mean, I, I haven't really been super scared. Like Thornhaven, I thought I'd be scared at because you know, all the other ghosts, the TV ghost people, they've all been there. I'm like, okay, well, let's just check this out. So we went there, but I enjoyed that one. That was a thorough enjoyment factor because I could hear the kids. We saw stuff we couldn't explain. You know, when you go through the evidence, you see mice come in and out of these houses. I'm like, there's bats at some of them. I'm like, this is just kind of fun. I can't say I've ever been scared except for the, like, we did one investigation at the Fergus Falls Insane Asylum up, up there. Why didn't we ask about insane asylums? Yeah, there's some stuff that happened at that place. I'm not going to lie. I Was I scared? No, but it was really weird stuff. I'm not going to lie. And when we went through the evidence, I can't explain any of it. I mean. Yeah, that place was awesome. Yeah. So like what kind of stuff, like flying scalpels or like, I don't know, like what? <laughs> like I'm, that's just what I picture in like a haunted insane asylum for some reason. Floating tools. <laughs> no, no tools. No, but they had like elevators in there and they had the original like one inch by one inch square tiles all over these hallways and the old parts of this place. But remember the, the walkie-talkie situation in that place? Yeah. Me and my buddy were in the, like, trying to get to the basement. I thought we had full access in this hospital. I'm like, okay, we got full access. And I heard knocking in this door. So we said, what the heck? So we went down there. We couldn't get in. So that no, means nobody could get in. But there's knocking in there. 
And then we turn around, we start heading up the stairs and the walking talkies are talking. Wait, what are they saying? We heard a kid talking. I can't remember what he said. Remember he said, Papa, I love you. He was just, he was like, my name is, I forget what he said. I mean, he was having, wasn't constantly answer. He would never actually answer our question. No. It was also like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Our range is not that, no. that far. So also why is a small child talking to us at two o'clock in the morning? Two in the morning. Maybe he was just trying to get his message out there. The craziest, craziest thing. Now, can I 100% say that was paranormal? No, I can't. But the odds are pretty stacked high yeah. that it was. It's a huge building. I mean, it's probably a mile long. I mean, I don't think anybody could even get on that channel, let alone what we're doing at 2 a.m. I mean, there were times um, that Steve would hear kid come through, but I never heard anything. We're all on the same frequency, so we all should have heard the same thing but we didn't. And we had two other, it was, we had three teams that night. So we split up in groups of three and everybody had a walkie talkie and not everybody would hear that kid coming through, which was strange. That is wild. So what's next for you guys? Pretty much um, right now with, unfortunately with the virus, we really haven't been doing any traveling. We're just kind of on a leave of absence as far as um, investigating. But in the meantime, um, Probably most paranormal investigators' dreams is to actually purchase a haunted location. So I went ahead and did that. Um, I actually own a haunted location called Boyd House in Boyd, Minnesota. Um, I get down there when I can to do investigations. But in the meantime, I allow other paranormal groups to come in and do paranormal investigations at it. So tell us how it's haunted. Like what happened? Well, we're trying to still learn a lot of the history. As we know, they didn't keep really good records back in the day. But I do know of two people have died in the house. One of them was a town founder. It actually was a general merchandise store owner. We get his name quite frequently, so we believe he is still there. Plus, he had died in the house. And then we have an older lady that we get. She's got a real raspy voice. She sounds like she smokes 100 cigarettes. <laughs> There's children activity there. But I guess a lot of it may have to do with the land. Uh, if you look at the city that it was in, it was a real big, booming, wild, wild west town. You know, I see pictures they had hotels and bars and barbershops and grocery stores and all kinds of things, you know, and they had like 500 people living there in 1884. And now there's two bit like two or three businesses and it's a town of less than 150 people. So there's, there's just a lot with to do with the land. It's also butted up against the Sioux Dakota reservation line. There was a lot of death there. It's a lot of history, a lot of interesting things that go on in the house. We hear audible voices. People have been touched. People have seen shadow figures. My husband's actually seen one of the young girls in the house. It's been a really fun time there and I'm still exploring and, you know, learning from what other people get. Um, so it's just a lot of fun. So do you stay, like stay there? <laughs> I'll spend the night and actually like all these um, haunted locations that we've been to, I have found through the years with talking through other paranormal groups that we're one of the rare groups that actually blow up an air mattress and go to sleep in a haunted location. So we kind of glossed over that. So I feel like anytime I watch like a ghost show, they stay up all night because I couldn't imagine anyone sleeping, but you guys actually just like can fall asleep. It's Hollywood. So of course it's, you know, they're going to make it like they were up all night and stuff. A couple people that do go with us that pretty much do spend the whole night up because they're not driving. So they just sleep in the car on the way home. If you're going to be a driver or something. You do need to get some sleep, especially if we're sometimes we're there, you don't have to leave till later in the afternoon. I'll sleep like four or five hours. It, it doesn't bother me. Like I said, the first time when we went to Villisca, I didn't sleep a wink. I was terrified to 
sleep. And then I thought, well, nothing major happened. And I'm going to wake up if something happens. I'll just sleep. But I think just kind of on a creepy ghost note, I, uh, we were at a place called Revenant Acres, which has now been torn down, but it was a really awesome place. But they have uh, reports of men getting possessed in that house. On that time, I, Steve was not attending, but our other guy, Alex, was there. And he didn't want to sleep in there. I'm like, oh, it's okay, Alex. You know, you just put your air mattress between us girls. We gotcha. And he tried to sleep in there. And after about an hour, I woke up and he was getting up. I'm like, what's up, buddy? And he's like, um, I hear footsteps coming down. And I just, I just, I can't be in here. I just, I can't. I'm going to go sleep in the van. And I'm like, that's fine, you know. But what's interesting about that, we got an EVP at that particular moment of somebody saying, kill one. Oh, oh. So I was just kind of like, I wonder which one of us they were going to kill. So it's like, clearly he had a bad, bad feeling. So he did, he made the right decision. He wasn't going to be a hero and he slept in the van. I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Sometimes you get a vibe, you know? Yeah. Like I don't mind the children throwing pebbles, but when one's like, kill one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Obviously this is a big part of your guys' lives. When you tell people that you do this, do people ever get weird about it? Like, is there a stigma around it for you guys? Or do you just not care? Cause you're like, I've seen enough. Back in the day it was, you didn't want to be like, oh, she sees ghosts. She's crazy. But I think because of TV shows, it's more prevalent. So more people are into it. Like I'd be at the bank and I'd be like, yeah, I'm cashing this. I'm going on a trip. And they'll go, oh, like, where are you going? And I'm like, well, you know, and so then the, most of the time they're like, really? And then they'll tell you a story. Yeah. Honestly, probably like one of the more interesting interactions, like a, a bank teller might have that day too. Talking about ghosts. I'd be into it. <laughs> what about you, Steve? This is why this is funny to, for me. Ever since we started, everybody, even at work, I mean, we're all, we all were in a hospital. Everybody ridicules everybody all the time. And when Jill brought up she's going to buy a haunted house, everybody's like, oh, you got to pipe, you know, you're going to have to put recorders in the air vents and all this stuff. I'm like, they just don't get it. And that's part of the problem is like, I agree with Jill that there are some people that are willing to let their guard down and explain to something that happened to them. But I still think the stigma is still out there. And I still think you probably shouldn't be publicly putting it out there if, unless these people are close to you. And that's like us. It's, yeah, sure. Jill takes a lot of razzing all the time. I get that. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair for Jill because we've done it. We've been physically at these places. We've had this stuff happen. This stuff is legitimate to us. We have the proof. And it's just one of those things where it's 2020. I mean, let the evidence speak for itself or you go out there, do it yourself. And next time you're back here, let's go to Jill's house. I'm not <laughs> staying the night. Wait, so I want to flip this back to you guys because there's other things that are unexplainable that have a stigma, like UFOs. Do you guys believe in UFOs? I'm kind of on the fence with that one, so I'm not really sure. But if I was just going to go off my gut, I would say there could be. I don't know how you could say it, it doesn't exist. I mean, if, take for instance, a couple of years ago when they have a live broadcast of the International Space Station, you can see stuff going in and out. Well, there's no planned spacemen. What, what, what is that? I think that's part of the thing is that I, I appreciate what Elon Musk is doing for the world, not just the Tesla and the electric cars and helping the environment. I think public manned space flight is going to prove all this stuff to what the astronauts have been saying for 40 years. And that needs to get out there. The government can't hide everything from all of us. I mean... Well, they've started to leak stuff that while well, the government has, like Correct. DOD and stuff. It's starting to get out there, which leads you to believe that they're like setting us up. 
for oh you know, totally they're something. like all right guys they're like i guess we got to give them a little bit more information yeah. they're gonna come visit it'll be a 48 hour ordeal yeah. don't freak out yeah it certainly <laughs> seems like they're laying the basis for something yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I won't ask you about Bigfoot because I just feel like that's insulting. I believe in ghosts. I believe in UFOs. My family actually has a UFO story. They believe wholeheartedly that they saw a UFO. And I have that Guntown Cemetery story. I also have another story, though. And it was something that, again, I still remember it. It like almost took my breath away. And it was like when I was in my early 20s, I had like a bad night. And I went to bed in a bad mood. I was really upset about something and I fell asleep. Were we living together? No. Okay. I know it wasn't a dream. Like I know for sure it wasn't a dream. But I remember this woman came and sat next to me on the bed and then stroked my hair, almost like comforting. And I was so like scared, but also comforted, but I couldn't say anything. Like nothing could come out of my mouth. Actually went back to sleep because I was in fact comforted. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, that was a weird night. Like what happened? You're like, what I take? <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I guess, was there anything that you think people don't get about what you guys are doing? Like, I think people think it's like flashlights in the dark, not necessarily using the same equipment and like the level of data collection that you guys are doing. Like you said, I don't think they get that scientific technical aspect. I think they go with Hollywood thinking that we're going to see things flying across the room and poltergeist activity and and that's that's really not what it is um 90% of the time when you're at a haunted location you're pretty much walking around in the dark talking to yourself out loud and not a lot's going on but you have to rely on your equipment and things that a lot of things we don't find till we get home right like stuff the human ear can't pick up or see half the time you can't see it because unless you're looking through your infrared camera at that time you can't see what we would either be orbs or the dust or stuff moving because like Jill said, it's pitch black. So you, all you have is what you're looking through on your camcorder and that's it. Interesting. I guess, James, do you have any other questions? I mean, I know you have so many other questions. I have questions, so many but... <laughs> questions, but like I am thoroughly creeped out right now. Like my thought my lights went off. It's like thundering and lightning outside. We have people painting our house and they're still here and I could like hear their footsteps and I keep saying to myself like it's just the painters, but hopefully our listeners will have the same effect and maybe they'll listen to it during the day. But thank you so much for talking to us. I guess what we typically ask our guests is if there's anything that you guys want to give like a shameless plug for a website, your YouTube channel. Um, our website is St. Croix Paranormal. So that's S-T-C-R-O-I-X, paranormal.com. Find information on there uh, about us and places we've been. Um, you also find the information about the Boyd House. If anyone's interested in spending the night there, you can hit us up that way or you can find us on Facebook for uh, St. Croix Paranormal or the Boyd House. We have Facebook as well. So those are a couple ways to find us. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Have a good night. Thanks. Thanks nice to meet you. This is the Odd Job Podcast.